Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Lord God, that you are good. Thank you for your word, Father God. Thank you for your truth. Jesus, we thank you that you are full of truth and grace. And we pray that you administer truth and grace into our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says in Mark 16, verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So, Missions Month, we're talking about going. And we are going, aren't we? We've got in our history, the Christians have been going to John Patton, we heard about last week, going to Vanuatu. We heard about our first pastor, a while ago, Richard Johnson, who came to Australia, was very brave, coming out with all the convicts. I'm, one of my favourite missionaries is Samuel Marsden, who just went and loved the uh, New Zealanders, the Maoris, who um, were fairly violent at that time, and he went and loved them, and just an amazing story. As you know, we went to Russia. We go, don't we? And some of you are going, going off to different places in the world to... Be the light, whether it's into your netball team or into your workplace or your neighbours. And it's just fantastic to go into the world and be the light and the salt, the colour and the flavour of this world. So one thing though really struck me about that was about going. And I think, I think, I think a lot of people in our church are pretty good at that, is that it actually says go and preach. Go and preach. So sometimes we can go as Christians and be really lovely and nice people and everyone thinks, well, you know, they're nice and they might even know we're a Christian, but, you know, they're not, we're not too offensive, so they don't mind. But the Bible says go and preach the gospel. So that puts a bit of a spin on it, doesn't it? Especially if you're not sort of, you know, if you're just in your hockey team or your netball team, you're not feeling like, you know, the preacher. It's different perhaps if you're a missionary. But even if you're a missionary... You need to remember to preach the gospel. So as you know, I was a missionary in Russia with my husband back in the, back in the 90s. Back in the 90s in Russia. Whew, what a time. And um, there was a number of uh, expats there. So people from other countries who were early, early business, sort of frontier businessmen really, and uh, their wives. And so I got to know their wives because it was a great connection for me because they had these fancy, fancy apartments that had been done up by their rich companies and they had all this, this supply from the West, which we didn't have. So I'd get their secondhand magazines and newspapers and, you know, I'd go to their apartments and go, oh, the West, you know. We lived in a, a very run down. We, yeah, our apartment was Russian. Just It was not, not the modern Russians. The modern Russians live well, but it was communist Russian apartment. I can actually remember my friends. 
There was Libby from Australia. She was from TNT. Cindy was from Otis Elevators, USA. And Manuela was from Lufthansa. Her husband worked for Lufthansa. And um, I remember that one time we used to have playgroup in the different apartments. And I remember one time I said, well, why don't you come to my apartment? And they were like, okay, you know, let's see how you live. And they were just like, they went up the stairs, the dreadful, dreadful, dark, stinking stairs. And they arrived in my apartment. They were just like, wow, Ruth. And I went, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I remember one of them sat on the bed, which was rock hard and it had buttons in it. So you had to, when you slept, you had to sort of try to twist your body so you between buttons and I remember that she just said to me Ruth why don't you just sleep on the floor like why, why do you even I'm like I know I know anyway it was nice to get to know them but um and they knew that we were missionaries they knew that um but again they just thought that we were quite nice people you know so one day I organized a lunch and I remember it was on a, a ship they had a little ship that was parked there and well, what's the word? Birthed. And they would, um, and I said, let's, let's get lunch together. So we had lunch together. We got together. And we all sat down, the, the four ladies. And I said, I actually organized this lunch because I wanted to tell you something. They went, you're pregnant. That's which is what happened to me every time I ever said anyone. I had news at that time of my life. Um, but it was like, no, no, I, you, you all know I'm a missionary. And they were like, yeah. And I said, well, I want to tell you why I'm a missionary and what I believe. And they were like, okay and so I did I shared my testimony and I I told them the gospel and then it was just this fantastic lunch where they all shared their little religious stories and they asked me some questions and it was really interesting and we had a fantastic time and uh, sometime later I heard that uh, when she returned to Australia my friend Libby became a Christian so praise the Lord so Even a missionary needs to make an effort to preach the gospel. You know what I mean? You've got to sometimes move into that place that's not entirely comfortable with your friends and share the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of what I believe. It's the truth. It's powerful. It's real. It's necessary. We ought not to be ashamed of what we believe in just because the world believes in such a different philosophy and because they mock us sometimes for our beliefs. So what? They're wrong. (laughs) We need to be bold and courageous and be prepared to preach the gospel. So with that in mind, what I actually want to do today is preach the gospel. I actually want to go through the gospel. Now, I know a lot of you know this, And you'll go, yeah, yeah, I know that. But I still want to preach it because I want to, I thought carefully about, I actually did it for the youth and I thought, I felt the Holy Spirit say, we need to all do this because we need to know exactly what we believe. And it's good to have a simple way to present it because when we do preach the gospel and share it with our friends, you know, we have to, we have to know what we believe, but we also have to know how to present it in different ways. Sometimes, you know, we don't always get to preach it exactly as it is we sort of enter in different spots but here is the gospel all right so let's start with the bad news all right we start with bad news we all sin we are sinners we break God's laws Romans 3 23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God 
So every single one of us does the wrong thing. None of us are perfect. We all are selfish and unkind sometimes. We all do all kinds of things that are not pleasing to God, all the way to murder and, as we heard, cannibalism from the, you know, with John Patton visiting those early days back in Vanuatu. I remember when we went to the Cook Islands, it was quite funny actually, um, just hearing about the missionaries there. And I remember we were in church just like this, and the pastor, he was preaching away to them, and he said, You people, you were people who ate people. And now you have changed. And I went, whoa, wow, what? Okay. <laughs> so that's, uh, that was their history. And he just kind of threw it right in their face. So I'm like, okay, um, that's good. And, you know, we think cannibalism is bad because we're like from the West and we're like so good. We, we oh, well, that's bad. But we have a whole bunch of sins that we think are fine, don't we? Like pretty much every sexual sin in the world. We think, no, that's okay. Like that's just modern. It's like, really? Is it? Is it just modern or, you know, what other sins that we justify? You know, even criminals justify their sins. You know that, don't you? You know, if you, if you hear criminals being interviewed, oh, well, you know, they were rich. Like, why shouldn't I steal from them? They have plenty. It's like, um, <laughs> because it's wrong. So, you know, we can all justify our sin, but God hates sin. We, we are sinful, so we have a very low standard of what sin we hate. But the holier you become, the more you hate sin and the more ugly it is. And it's all ugly to God. And most of all, we break the very first commandment to put God as our first priority. We break that all the time. We were made to reflect the, the, the glory and goodness of God. Whatever we do, we're supposed to do it for the glory of God, but we don't. We were created to love him and trust him and be like him and enjoy this wonderful fellowship. And, and that's so often that we don't do. So that's the worst sin, the first commandment that we break, to just put him first, love him the most. So we all sin. And God is completely, totally just and fair. He hates sin. And sin must be punished. You can't just ignore it because he is justice itself. He is justice. You can't, you can't even come before God with sin. You, you just, it's like a candle before the sun. You, just, you can't be before God with sin because his brightness and his holiness would wipe out your sin and you. <laughs> so that's the justice of God. Romans 6.23, we see this. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the punishment for sin is death. And he's made that very clear. Because you can't, he is life and you can't be near him with sin. So it's kind of a logical conclusion. There's physical death and then eternal death. And eternal death is hell. So this is, this is the bad. It's, this, is, this is as bad as it gets. Hell is terrible and it's real and it was not designed for people, okay? Jesus made it quite clear that it was for the demons and devils. It's an internal torment, unquenchable fire. Jesus spoke more about hell than any other person in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He was constantly warning people about hell because he was the saviour. He came to rescue people from hell. That was his job. So he's like, I'm here now. Don't go there. 
because of me, okay? But he was very blunt in his warnings to his people. He was just like, do not, you must listen to me. And he, he, even when he spoke to the Pharisees, Matthew 23, 33, he said, you brood of vipers, you snakes, how will you escape being condemned to hell? He was so angry with their hypocrisy and their, you know, their religious, they thought they were so great and they were hypocrites. And that made him more angry than ever. And he warned them so completely bluntly because he didn't want them to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he came. You know, in thinking about this, I often go back to the Titanic, which I know is a classic kind of preacher's story, but it's just so good. Like it just, it was terrible tragedy, but there's so many things in it. I just did some research again, and it, it took two and a half hours to sink. And initially... People were very calm, even when they were called up to, the, to their lifeboats, because they didn't believe it would sink. And they were told it wouldn't sink. The life, the, the, apparently the crew were saying, oh, it's, it's, it's okay, everything's all right, it's going to be fine. They didn't know there wasn't enough lifeboats either. So apparently, I'm not sure if it was exactly like this in the movie, but um, Washington Dodge, who was a doctor who survived, says, at no time during this period was there any panic or evidence of fear or unusual alarm. No women or children were weeping. He said there was an eerie calm. The crew downplayed the danger, assuring passengers the lifeboats were merely a precaution. And the band was playing cheerful tunes. Elizabeth Schutz, who's also a survivor but got on a lifeboat, said, We didn't even want to leave the ship. We felt safer near the ship because we thought surely such a vessel could not sink. I thought the danger was exaggerated and we would all be taken aboard again. Isn't that interesting? So they didn't know how dangerous it was. There was this impending horrific disaster. And for a lot of them, they just didn't realise how dangerous they were enjoying the boat. And it's sort of like that. Are we enjoying the boat? Are we enjoying living on this world? And it's nice and there's nice food and the, the music's good, you know, the band's playing. And, and what if someone came from the future? Because one of the, one of the survivors said, it's easy now when you look back, it's going to sink. But we didn't know that. We're on this amazing vessel. We'd, we didn't know it was going to sink. And so what if someone from the future came and said, it's going to sink? What if they warned them with the lifeboats and said, get more lifeboats, you know, it's going to sink. Then maybe they would listen. That's Jesus. He, knew, he knows the future and he's come and said, this world is going to sink. So you need your lifeboats and I'm the lifeboat. Jesus is warning us. What about this? The nearby boat, the California all realised they were in an ice field and they stopped. They did not move forward because it was too dangerous. And the wireless operator, Cyril Evans, sent a message to the operator, Jack Phillips, on the Titanic, warning him of icebergs. Warning him and saying, this is a bad ice field, we need to warn you. The response that he got from Jack Phillips, who was busy listening to other messages from Cape Race, was this. Shut up, shut up. I'm busy working Cape Race. That's what he said. Shut up, shut up. I'm busy. I'm listening to important messages here because apparently all the rich passengers were wanting to send their messages home, you know, and, and he was really busy keeping up with all the messages they wanted to send, but, you know, this is before mobile phones. Shut up, shut up. And not only that, 
But Jack Phillips never passed on the warning to the captain, to the bridge of the Titanic about the icebergs. Never passed the message on. It's like, oh, you just read that and go, oh, that's so bad. Jesus is warning us. He's saying, listen, what are we saying? Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't want, I'm, I'm busy listening to someone else. It's like, this is a really important message, okay? This is not like, you know, it, it doesn't matter what other messages you're listening to. This is the message. This is the gospel, the good news. It literally means good news in Greek. This is the message. If you don't listen to anything else that we preach, listen to the gospel. Make sure you've got this message right, okay? Make sure you've got this one because otherwise you're going down with the ship. According to the US Senate inquiry and the British Rec Commissioner's inquiry, so there was two inquiries on either side of the Atlantic, the California could have saved many or all of the lives had a prompt response been mounted to the Titanic's distress signals. So they're on the California and they're going... What's, what's that ship? And they're going, oh, they weren't, they did all that. They were, then they kind of realised, but I don't know if they were talking. And then they saw rockets. Are they rockets? Are they distressed rockets? And one of the guys, apparently one of the, the shipmen went to the captain and said, I think they're distressed rockets. I think we should do something. He said, no, I don't think so. Because it was just that far enough away to be a little bit different. different I don't know. But... The Senate inquiry and the commissioners were completely unimpressed and said if Captain Stanley Lord had offered prompt assistance, and this guy had to live with this for the rest of his life, by the way, he wasn't a happy man, such con- what, what he did, they said about this, such conduct, the captain's conduct of ignoring, basically thinking, oh, she'll be right, it's okay, whatever it is. And, and also the wireless operators by now had shut down for the night. So they weren't getting any messages back now. They, they were shut, went to bed. But he said if they had offered prompt assistance or shown more curiosity about the rockets or anything, but if they said such conduct, whether arising from indifference or gross carelessness, is most reprehensible. Oh. Jesus is not ignoring our situation. He came at the exact right time, in time, to save us. And he's come in the exact right way to save us. So how many times will we say no? How often do we say no? How, 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 how much can he ask us? You know, Tim, I remember when you asked Nikki to marry you on this, not this stage, but on the stage of a church service. Now, if she'd said no, it would have been really embarrassing. She said yes. But imagine if she'd said no... How many years would you have continued to ask her, year after year after year, day after day? She kept saying no. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, you said, you know what, Nikki, you're a, you're a great girl, but I think I'd better find someone else. Like, how often does Jesus have to cry out to us to say yes to him? What, our whole life, 80 years? Every day, every, every sunset, every time you hear a Christian song or some sort of Christian response or you remember your granny's prayers or whatever it is? Yeah. So God does not ignore sin. And Jesus wants us all to go to heaven, so he warns us. Sin must be paid for by innocent blood, and sin must be removed. Jesus paid for our sin. So you can't go to heaven unless you're perfect. Okay? That's another thing. Because if you go to heaven and you're not perfect, you're going to ruin heaven. You're going to ruin God's perfect heaven. It's a little bit like brand new carpet. 
and someone wants to walk on with their mud, and they go, oh, no, just me. I, 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 I'm not that bad. Can I walk on your carpet with my muddy shoes? No, because if you do that, the carpet will no longer be perfect. It will be muddy. So there's not a lot of mud, just a little bit? No, because then you'll have muddy carpet, right? It can't be done. You can't go to heaven if you're a sinner. You have to be perfect. So the answer is, and I've already shared it, you know, this, the answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. It's, this is, that's the bad news. We're sinners. We deserve to die. We're not going to get to heaven unless our sin is dealt with. And God knew this, and he's so good. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. He came to rescue us from a sinking ship, And he wants to rescue us. But if we refuse that, if we refuse the lifeboat, if we do not listen to the wireless warning, if we just say no, 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 then it's on us, isn't it? We are condemned. We are going to go down. We're going to go down with the ship. So Jesus died on a cross. Now sin has to be paid for by innocent blood. Jesus was perfect. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So he was perfect. But not only did he pay the the price for our sin, he actually removed our sin. He cleaned the muddy boots. He cleanses us. This is so lovely. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So this is the answer, and it's amazing if you think about it. Not only are we forgiven, the price has been paid, so everything we've ever done wrong, God says, it's all right, it's covered. Jesus has paid the price. He actually cleanses us. So now we can, we, you know, those muddy boots, we've got a whole brand new outfit, including new boots, the robes of righteousness. We can come into heaven, and we're not making anything dirty because we are righteous in Christ. It's like he gives us these new boots and these new outfit and we look, we are perfect. Of course, the, the total outworking of our perfection will not happen until we're in heaven. There's still, there's still a little few little bits that hang on while we're on earth. That's why we work. We work at it. But in heaven, it'll be finalized and we will be who we were meant to be, perfect and beautiful. And it'll be so exciting. We'll be able to play soccer and hockey and be all fit again. Can't wait for that. So praise the Lord. So that's the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. So we've got the bad news, the answer. And then finally, the good news is that we have to respond to it. The good news is that he he saved us, but we have to believe this message. So do you believe what I just said? I hope you do. Because... By faith, we can be saved. Acts 16, 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus, believe, and you will be saved. I want every one of you right now to go, I believe that. It's true. Everything Ruth said is true. It's straight out of the Bible. So I believe it. So that's a start. We've got to go a bit further than just believing. 
So every now and again you meet someone who says, oh, I believe in God, but I, you know, I, they have their own version. It's very, it's incredibly prideful to create your own religion. I believe in God, but I don't think that God would send people to hell. It's like, right, but Jesus said that, that they do. It's like, well, I don't believe that. It's like, so you're saying you believe in God, but you don't believe in anything he says, <laughs> or you don't think he's capable of telling you the truth. It's like, you, you don't get to do that. That's incredibly proudful, incredibly like, it's like, who, who do you think you are? that you can just reinvent religion and redefine the way that God does religion. What, you think you know better than God? You think you understand the laws of the nature and the, the whole universe better than him, that you can decide the way that Christianity should really be? No, it doesn't work like that. You have to follow God and you have to believe what he says in his word. His word is true. He wrote it. He's very capable of making sure that it's accurate. Okay? So, we believe and then we have to repent. Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we believe, but we also need to repent and say, you know what? I need you Jesus as my savior. We need to say sorry. We need to accept him as Lord. We need to accept him as Lord. Accept him as our Lord. We need to lay down rebellion. Because that's why we put this off. We're stubborn. We think we can wait. We think we can wait. How do you know? I love Tony Cherkoff's story. It's the classic evangelism story. Tony was witnessing to a work colleague and telling him about, you know, you need to get saved. And I can imagine you were quite bold, Tony, because you have a turn of phrase. I imagine you told him what the way it was. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, he, he told him, but the guy gave the classic, one, one of the classic excuses says, yeah, look, I'll, I'll wait till I'm older. You know, I'll, I'll wait. Because he, th the thinking is, have fun now, get saved later so you go to heaven. Bad thought, bad thought. Think of the Titanic. It's like, enjoy the, what, go down to the kitchen and enjoy the food for a while? How do you know when it's suddenly going to go? It took two and a half hours and then it was sudden. So you, you, got, you got so long to live and then it's sudden. So in Tony's case, the guy said, I'm going to wait. I'll just wait. Um, you know, I'm going to wait. Wait till I'm older. And Tony goes, how do you know? You could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And the guy's like, whatever. True story. Yeah, he got hit by a bus the next day. He got hit by a bus. No, he didn't die. And she was like, oh. He didn't die, but he got hit by a bus. Can you believe? Like, it was just so classic. And it was obviously God speaking to that guy and graciously giving him another chance, another, another time he's asking him to get close. And he got hit by a bus, survived. Don't know what happened after that. I said to Tony, I said, did you ever hear what happened to the guy who got hit by the bus? He goes, no, I never did hear. So hopefully that was enough of a, a warning to him to go, oh, I better get saved because that could have been fatal. So <clears throat> listen to what Matthew 25, uh, no, Romans 2.5 says this. Because you are stubborn, don't be stubborn. 
and refuse to turn from sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself for a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. So the day is coming. We don't know when it's coming. So let's be ready now and let's just say yes to God today and not put it off any longer. This is the truth. And when we say yes to God, by Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. So we can accept him, believe in him, repent, ask him into our hearts, and we will be safe. It's so good. Saved. Safe. And guess what? We still get to enjoy life. As a matter of fact, you get to enjoy life more because God loves us and he wants to bless us. So why you would wait, I do not know. But God is so good. Praise God. So that's the gospel. That's it. I like the way of just the bad news, the answer, the good news. So if you are saved today and you believe what I said and you know that to be true, Make sure that you know the gospel well and you are confident to share it with whomever God opens the door to and and go into all the world and preach. Go and share this. Look for opportunities to share. You know, you might not have half an hour to preach like I did, but, you know, sometimes it's just one, one scripture or one verse or whatever it is that God, however the Holy Spirit guides you, let's be bold. It's quite an adventure sharing the gospel with people. So... Let's do that. Let's know what we believe and let's preach it. And today, if you are not saved, you are in a precarious position and you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to be sure that you're going to heaven. Life is very fragile and this is the most important decision of your life. Don't put it off. Why would you? Make that decision today. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your good news and your great love for us. Thank you for rescuing us, Lord God. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to every heart here, Lord, that we would boldly preach and boldly choose you. And listen to you, Father God. Hallelujah. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.